AI is eating the web as we speak. And what that means for business leaders is this. The time to embrace AI technology is now. Because for people like us, automation helps us do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations. It's basically magic. If you haven't tried HubSpot's new AI features, you should do that. Content Assist and ChatSpot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team a whole bunch of time. HubSpot's features run on ChatGPT Tech to help you make compelling content and manage your CRM way faster than before. We're talking ad copy, data analytics, workflow automations. So work smarter, not harder, and head to hubspot.com forward slash artificial dash intelligence to learn more about using AI to streamline your marketing, sales, and customer service ops. Link in the show notes. Welcome back to Techish. Abadesi and Michael are taking a very short break from recording, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We're still delivering the Techish you know and love. This week, we're taking a look at emerging technologies. So buckle up for stories on AI ethics, crypto trading hamsters, and so much more. There's even a guest cameo from Angela Andrews, co-host of the Compiler podcast. We hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know your thoughts using hashtag techish on socials. So ChatGPT is all the range now everyone's using it. I've been using it a lot, actually. I'll be honest with you. So You've been using all my techs, haven't you? I have been, yeah. So <laughs> a few use cases that I have that are very helpful for me. So I was replying back to a customer email. They were like, I'm not happy about this. This is terrible. So I wrote a really short email that was quite blunt. I copied and pasted it, put it to ChatGPT. Make it friendly, please. <laughs> So the email came back. It was like, "Hello, sir." We have the bulk of what I was saying was the exact same shit. So shout out to ChatGPT and so many and other things like more nerdy stuff. I'll get like a copy and paste like a study about something, whether that's like I don't know health and fitness, whatever. Copy it into ChatGPT. I'm like, "Yo, just summarize it, bullet points," and it will just translate it because obviously a lot of studies are quite confusing. It will be like, "Oh, mad numbers," and let me get to the heart of it, and it will do that for me. So very powerful tool. I showed it to a friend of mine who's a social worker, and he was like, "This is gonna do my job." Like he realized wow. this is half my job is just like gone wow. in a good way. Cause obviously his main crux of his work is helping people, but a lot of the admin type stuff. Mm. It's a very powerful tool. But anyway, I think the reason why we're bringing it up beyond just extolling its virtues is the fact that a, obviously last episode talked about how Microsoft invested like 10 bajillion dollars, mm. but then also now it's come out that there's a lot of workers in Kenya who have mm. been hired essentially to do the grunt work of making sure that chat GPT isn't a racist or be kind of doing gory or terrible results basically because yes. as much as AI is the future it still requires a lot of human work to basically test the results make sure Absolutely. that it's good and unfortunately that just like the rest of the stuff in the western world the work that we don't want to do the work that is too gory the work that is quote-unquote beneath us gets mm. outsourced to the developing world and this time in Kenya where they paid like two dollars a day basically yeah how do you feel about this so let's do the you know the f- both sideism where it's basically Mm. this is work that they wouldn't have otherwise mm. this is work that probably if, if it's not them it's going to be outsourced to the philippines is it yes. good for africa that at least they're getting involved in the mm. technological revolution they're getting paid or is it like this is work that no one should really be doing i don't know like what do you feel so i feel a way about it but i understand i also understand that yeah we often have that position in the west where we're like oh like you know terrible job and it's like bro oh, am i giving you a job i think the thing that i get worried about is what will be the long-term effects of it that we Definitely. still don't quite understand do you know what i mean because i feel like if someone says hey come work in my factory or come help me build this railroad you know like okay there's going to be some real physical risk to that there's going right. to be some back-breaking work i'm going to be hunched over i'm might be getting arthritis, whatever, but at least you know. So when you engage in that transaction as an employee, you're kind of like, well, this is on me. But when you're actually analyzing this kind of data, reviewing this kind of data, like being so exposed to like toxic words, toxic images, 
what's the real long-term cost on that? And that's the thing that we don't know. And I think that's the thing that I get really afraid of. And, you know, we are still trying to find out what the impact is on people that do content review. You know, there've been some great reports in The Verge by people like Casey Newton, where we've talked about it on the show before, people that review all the videos that get posted to Facebook. That's a terrible job. I hate that. You know, the mental health issues that are inherent within that job from like risk of death by suicide all the way to long-term psychological issues. And I I think what's quite scary is all of this really interesting research is emerging around mental health, trauma, and intergenerational trauma, right? And why I get really scared is like, if we say the AI revolution must come at the cost of people doing some pretty unhealthy jobs, that's just a necessity for capitalism and the world. Mm -hmm. We have to ask ourselves if that unhealthy job is always done by the same group of people who, quite frankly have been through enough or a yeah, lot in yeah, history. Yeah. Like, are we just cementing this world order? Because we're talking about change. Mm. We're talking about dismantling systems of oppression like white supremacy. But at the same time, it's white people that can remove themselves from yeah. these toxic roles and remove themselves from the most unhealthy roles because of the privilege that they earn. And then it continues to be people of the global majority, indigenous people, black people, brown people who do not have a choice to say no. And that to me is sad and it makes me angry either it's not fair it shouldn't have to be like that i think the air is slowly moving out of the nft market and we might be Uh-oh. in for a whole heap of pain so if you recollect jack dorsey's first ever tweet was minted as an nft and i think it went for 2.9 million dollars uh, an Iranian-born crypto that. entrepreneur purchased that for 2.9 back in March 2021. Last Thursday, he announced he wanted to sell it. And basically, the, the opening bid was $280. And I don't think it went higher than like $15,000. So no. you're looking at, I swear to you, so you're looking at a dip from $3 million to $15,000. Ouch. Um, you better hold on to start, that, boy. <laughs> are people starting to wake up and realize that, yo, like, maybe this shit don't mean nothing. And it is just a bunch of JPEGs. Like, what, like, got done. <laughs> we got done, yeah. mate. Because I think he was trying to sell it for $48 million. I don't know what he was thinking. Do you know what happened? Lockdown ended. <laughs> yeah, and the true value. Yeah. The true value of that stuff. No. Do you know what? Let me not be churlish. Like I still feel like the creator economy, like there are people out there like who are minting songs, minting artwork. There are people right. who are extremely talented, who, you know, had a tough time during the pandemic, as many of us did. But, you know, finally NFTs came along and it was just like, woohoo, like struggling artists yeah. becomes profitable artists. This is amazing. This is really exciting. And I think, you know, there's like some value in those transactions. But yeah, unfortunately, there was also like a lot of hype, a lot of inflation and well, this is what happens when you're, you know, moving in risky asset classes and yeah. when you're trying to be an early adopter. Like the African in me, the immigrant in me, I ain't early adopting shit when it comes to personal finance. Like yeah, I am not at all. so risk averse. The years it even <laughs> took me to just get stocks and shares because I was like, was bond, I do not bonds. trust it. I do not bonds. trust the bank. <laughs> you wanted bonds. That's what you wanted. That return 0.1% Yo, a man, year. I was there for the first, you know, 08 credit crunch recession. I, I like, yeah. I'm, I'm so risk averse. But yeah, you know, we have to look at the evidence. We have to look at the evidence and we see nothing but crashing prices. And it's scary. Some people out there, yeah. that's probably like the most of their investments are in NFTs because that's how they got started in the game. And this is yeah. the distorting effects of social media. Unfortunately, there were far more TikToks circulating about NFTs than there were about index funds, <laughs> tracker funds. Yeah. But 
Yeah, it's scary. Hopefully people didn't risk any capital they can't afford to lose. Yeah, I'm sure this this person who did it probably has got a whole bunch of crypto and is worth 100 million. So there's probably no skin <laughs> off his nose. But I think this whole thing was predicated on the greater fall theory, wasn't it? That, you know, I'm going to buy an asset in the hopes that one day some greater fall will come in and purchase it. There's no cash flow. There's no kind of intrinsic value. And yeah, I think that's what we're seeing here. I think we've run out of falls, especially in, you know, like you said, the pandemic is over. Inflation yeah. is here. The war in Ukraine. Everyone's like, yo, I need some real shit to own. I don't need the JPEG. Right now, I need cash flow and producing assets that are going to improve mm-hmm. my life and not something like this. People buying gold like again. Said, <laughs> people buying gold, yeah. Although, to be fair, gold is also an example of like the greater fall theory. What can you do with gold apart from making it to jewelry, right? Anyways, that's a whole other tangent in terms of like the different kind of assets that you can buy. But I agree with you. NFTs as a technology, I think it's here to stay. I think I've seen some interesting stuff, especially in music about, you know, I think yeah. Nas released an album or a single on an NFT and it gave you like royalty rights, when we start talking where there's actual shit that comes along with it, then I'm fucking with it. But anything beyond that, you can miss me, man. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not there for it. I don't, care, I don't care how nice your picture is. I'm not paying a hundred racks for, for what you've done for a nice JPEG. No way. Also, I'm like, can I just say, like, it was just getting so crazy out there. Like, I mean, there were times where, like, mining fees, like, just to actually do a transaction Gas on fees, OpenSea yeah. or whatever, were, like, hundreds of dollars. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, this yeah. is supposed to be all about, like, the next wave of, you know, personal finance, financial inclusion. Look how interested young people are in investing. Wow, we're revolutionizing capitalism as we know it this is amazing i mean like what is the gap between those stories and the actual reality because i was like every time mm. i was even just trying to shop around in that space i felt excluded because i was like damn that's so expensive like the price of just actually trying to transact right now because of how yeah. much activity is happening so like i couldn't even like get the crypto that i needed to buy it or exchange the crypto that i needed to buy it because of mining fees being so high and i was just like who's making money here because yeah i, I feel I'm, like I'm, I'm losing i'm not like the greatest expert when it comes to crypto but people that i speak to that are respecting the space are always telling me like oh you know there's these apparent ethereum killers and these are basically blockchains that can act like ethereum but they don't have as many gas fees like solana like cardano mm. whatever so we'll see in, in the near term whether ethereum is the place to be because i don't see how it can be if it costs 300 dollars to buy something like right? that'll make no sense be like just talk to me like a child that'll make no sense Have you heard Drake's and The Weeknd new song? I tried to play the video. It said video unavailable. Is it good? You're too slow. That's the problem, bro. Because by the time you try, well, we're too old. By the time we try to go in and and follow the hype, yeah, the record label's already caught up and got the track banned. So if you don't know what I'm talking (laughs) about, so let's follow it. Let's follow the thread. I noticed about a month ago that there were new tools that allow people to do vocals that sounded like the vocals of their favorite artists. So I remember seeing I do vocals. This is the AI me, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) this is me. And it's just me doing a podcast by myself, sending to you and back and forth. (laughs) Can you imagine? I'm sick. Let me just be Abba today. Bell hooks is the best. <laughs> that was an accurate, yeah, exactly. accurate impersonation. Exactly. Shooter, go to hell. Anyway, yeah, so I noticed people doing voice distortions and being able to kind of mimic Kanye's voice, basically using mm. an AI tool. Wow, that was step one. And then people were doing various humorous covers. So you'd get Drake doing I Spice's song. Michael Jackson doing the Weekend song. But then a music producer said, "Actually, I'm going to produce an actual original song." Right, with written vocal, written lyrics, new vocals, Drake and The Weeknd, and here it goes. And the guy is anonymous. He's called like Ghost something. And wow, posted it on social media, and it got it got traction. People liked it. It had almost a hundred thousand plus streams on Spotify. People were like, "What? This is better. This is better than some of Drake's new material." You know what I'm saying? Dead. So yeah. <laughs> 
So the Universal Music Group has come out and been like, yeah. oh, this is unacceptable. They try oh. to, you know, use their connections to kind of get it taken down. And so far, they've been successful. Now, wow. where this is interesting, this is an original piece. Can you, do you have ownership of your artist's voice? This is the thing. I'm sure the law mm. is, has, is not conclusive because this has never existed before. Like, let's say, for example, I'm a fantastic imitator of Drake. Let's say I, I just sound say. like Drake. Yeah, let's say yeah. I just sound like Drake and I do a voice basically like going forward if they had just released that song and not said who the artists were and just said this is a song that i'm releasing two people that sound just like the drake and weekend but it's not the drake and weekend it's somebody else yeah Ooh. what could they have done do you know what i'm saying so Ooh, this is to me this is, a, this is the new naps the moment spicy so, 20 years ago naps yeah. into the scene and the record labels panicked somebody yeah. was giving people free access to music yeah and we ended up in a system now where instead of going from paying 20 dollars for one album you now pay 10 dollars yeah. a month for all music in the world, yeah. basically. Yeah. The model changed completely because people were like, you know what, we're not willing to pay $20 for an album anymore. The model needs to, you know, we went from iTunes to Spotify and now eventually you basically pay nothing for unlimited music. Yeah. So where does this go? Because I don't see the genies out of the bottle. Like there's nothing you can yeah. do. Like what's going to happen now? What do you, what's your initial thoughts on this whole situation? So my initial thoughts are, I, I think pop music is especially kind of going to be at risk just in terms of actual people making it versus because mm. because you know i mean i guess to some extent every, every type of music has a formula uh, but it feels that like music where there is a formula it's going to be very easy for you know the way neural networks work right now and the way our ai models are trained to kind of absorb lots of different formulas and then just create really good music i mean ryan hoover posted this the other day like if the synthetic is as good as the non-synthetic does it matter and yep. I've been thinking about that just in terms of art, because, you know, we've got Dali and like all these things. And it's like, does the source impact your enjoyment of it? Like, does mm. your sor- does, the, does the source of the song uh, of impact not. whether or not you, you enjoy it? Yeah, exactly. So how will this affect music? I don't know. It's so hard to predict, but it might be even harder for actual humans to make money from music, <laughs> yeah. which is already so hard. Like I have friends in bands that get like thousands of streams of Spotify. And then by the time they divide the royalties checks per person, they've got enough to like get around at the pub. And that's that's it for all yeah, their awesome. hard work. And you think of the blood, sweat and tears that goes into creating an album and then touring and all that stuff. So yeah, I just think the sad thing is it's probably just going to be harder for people to make money from from being an artist. Yes, I tend to think whenever there's a new technological innovation, it tends to help the people who are already at the top. So I would imagine that... Yes, record label owners. Let's just say... Turning it out now. <laughs> let's say you're a Drake super fan and yeah. Drake takes two, three years in between albums. Maybe... In between those albums, you might listen to other artists. You might, you know, go back to the back catalogue. But now what if there's 25 Drake mixtapes produced by AI and there's going to be a couple bangers on there? You might, mm. that might be enough to tide you over. Do you know what I mean? And then going far forward, even like yeah. 10 years into the future, because I definitely think there's going to be a fight with the labels and they're going to try and... Oh, for it. sure. But in about 10, 15 years, you will have an API, a Drake API, that Drake wow. sanctions, basically... You pay a subscription. For Shut the, up. For the Drake. No, I swear to you, you will pay. Just to use his voice. Yes, you will. He will get paid from this no matter what. Whoever the artist is, it might not have to be Drake, but I'm using that as an example. The Drake API, you as a developer, you plug into it, you make whatever song wow. you want. But Drake gets a cut of every single thing that is produced from that song. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, 
grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Oh my gosh, do you think in the future there will be voice filters so I can use like the Rihanna API and do like a little happy birthday voice note to you in like Rihanna's voice, like happy birthday, Michael. And you'll be like, okay. Wow, yeah, there, sick. There be, okay. There will be like an official reality. I could do a James Earl Jones voice. I could do a the, James yep. Earl Jones voice. Do you know so, what? I like this world. I like this world. Uh, <laughs> the thing about James Earl Jones, who's the voice of Mufasa and also Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. In the last Star Wars project, he's too old to do Darth Vader. So they actually used a synthetic AI <gasps> version of his voice. So it's here. The future is here. It's just not evenly dispersed. And he got paid for that. So he got paid for that. Wow. So you're going to see a bunch of new contracts that basically say, what are the rights to my voice in perpetuity? So when you get f- going forward as an artist, when you sign to a label, that will be there. Because think about this now. If Michael Jackson's estate has the rights to his voice, they could yeah. conceivably produce 100 Michael Jackson albums. Wow. There was one album that, that was released after his death called Michael, where his family came out and was like, that's not Michael Jackson's vocals. That is a no. singer pretending to be Michael Jackson on about a third, three or four of those tracks, basically. And it got proven in court that that's the case. That album is no longer searchable on Spotify for Michael Jackson. So, but going forward, if they could have used an AI version voice of Michael Jackson, yeah. that's the problem solved. You know what I'm saying? And his family can continue to eat off his estate for a hundred years. Thriller part Damn. two, off the wall part two. <laughs> no, you think I'm playing? This is the future. It's this true. No, no, seriously. Yeah. Also, he could do remixes with anyone. Okay, so here's my important question. If you could record this podcast in any other voice, whose voice would you choose? Oh, man. Who's got the baddest voice in the game? I'm just like, I wish I had that voice. I don't even know. It would have Morgan to be Freeman. Nah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm off Morgan Freeman, man. He said too much nonsense stuff in the past, man. I'm off Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, who's the... I can't even think. You put me on the spot. But there's definitely okay, someone well, who's got a voice. Maybe maybe Barry White, bruv. Just Barry White. Oh, you know that's there, a good one. Baritone, Barry White. Yeah. Okay, cool. We can do, like, yeah, I'll do, like, Nina Simone or someone. And we can yeah, have, like, exactly. two deep, some soulful podcasts. Deep, buttery voices. <laughs> hey, everyone. Some, yeah, yeah, nice. Some soulful podcasts. But also, going forward, listen, keep it real. Like, someone could create a facsimile podcast and me and you saying that we didn't say and get us in trouble someone could be like yeah, yeah don't give them ideas yeah exactly i know <laughs> you know what i mean but um i think we spoke about it did we speak about scam calls and yeah we did things? yeah so I've, I've read about in a few more cases of that where basically people are calling people's parents and saying oh my god mommy i'm trapped and then the, the voice will go to the hostage taker and they'll be like i've got your daughter we what? need a thousand pounds now you know what I mean? And in the background, yeah, mommy, please send the money to this oh account my. right now. And you're, and you're, it's a wrap for your, or it's a wrap for your child. In that situation, like the average yeah. older person is like, oh my God, that's real. They can't even conceive of it being fake. Of course. But this is why I don't understand banks choosing for voice activated security. Like one of my banks, yeah, HSBC actually was yeah, like, oh, do you now. want to change your telephone security code to be voice activated? I was like, uh, in this AI world, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's Who ridiculous. Knows? Hey everyone, you know what time it is. Time for us to pick up another podcast on the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We've got another show under 30 minutes, you know how much I love those. And it's I Digress, which helps to eliminate complexity, complications and confusions in your business with framework strategies to achieve scalable and sustainable success. Hosted by Troy Sandage. This podcast will give you the blueprint to grow and scale your business much faster. The I Digress podcast lets you learn marketing frameworks, sales tactics, business insights, mindset shifts, 
shifts and proven methodologies hosted by Troy Sandage, aka the Strategy Hacker, who's used these skill sets to launch over 35 plus brands and generate over 175 million, that's million dollars in revenue for clients worldwide. Go check it out. I digress is also a Webby nominated podcast. Go support that brother. He's doing his thing. I digress. Bear with me right now. There's a hamster that has a Twitch channel. And this hamster is picking stocks based on where he gets off the wheel, the wheel ride, basically, right? And people are obviously setting up and he is actually 20% returns this year, basically. And he is beating Warren Buffett, Kathy Woods, a whole bunch of people, the S&P 500. He is winning money, basically, right? Now, yeah, I, got, I haven't seen the channel. I've got to watch this. But what does it say right now? Where I, You know what? Let me just back up for a second. Because I know a lot of people right now that are feeling like geniuses because they're buying crypto, they're buying stocks, and they're making money. And let me just tell you, you're not a genius if a hamster can match you. It's a bull market. Like, haven't you got caught up in this wave of, like, the Robin Hood investment? Or are you conservative? Like, how do you, like, what's your feelings on, the, on this, like, meme stock economy and, and all that madness? Well, I think that I like the fact that the market is more approachable for yeah. folks. So the Robin Hoods, the, you know, being able to do the penny stocks, like, that is a boom for any investor because you know as americans we're we're we are such uh we're such a capitalist society why not try to make some money off of the backs of yep, you know yep. these corporations that you know are are literally you know are their consumers yeah. right so it's almost like this two-way street so i think it's great that more and more people are getting into investments i wish people would do it sooner because you know there's this long game that we need to be worried yeah. about right you know because you know i i am of the age where it's like look sis you need to figure out what this retirement's going to look yeah. like because i don't want to work till i'm 70 yeah. i don't even really want to work till i'm 60 but whatever so you really have to think about what are these multiple streams of income are going to look like? How are you going to build your nest egg for yourself? Because, you know, the, the average is what people retire at, you know, seven and then they only live another 11, 12 years. No, yeah. I don't want that to be. Yeah. I want to be that person that I don't mind making those, you know, investing in things that I know are going to show some sort of return. What I bet on a hamster, you know, <laughs> you know, probably for a grin or a giggle. Yeah, definitely for a grin or a giggle. But I think it's more to it than that. I really do think it's more to it than that. We have to be uh, more savvy as investors. Um, yeah, 100%. If, if we're putting in money. Like yeah, that. you know what? Because like, we've been quite harsh on Robin Hood on the show, but you're right. Like, There's been a lot of data that showed that like, specifically with Black Americans, that actually Robin Hood has been a bit of a boon. Like, It's encouraged a lot of people to get involved and it's reduced the barriers and whatnot. So that's great. My only concern has always been with a lot of this stuff is that like people are learning the wrong habits, which is not like buy and hold and be like conservative and like just bit by bit by month. It's basically everyone's getting involved in day trading. And from what I've seen and most of the data shows, most day traders don't make a penny and they end up going broke. And the market right now is booming. I've seen people who are like, I know a guy who was like, I want to get a mortgage, but actually I'm going to put it all on Tesla. And he's made a whole bunch of money. So I can't even say you were wrong, but I'm like, you're playing Russian roulette and you won. Doesn't mean you're smart, right? You know what I'm saying? And I hope people haven't learned, you know, bad behaviors basically. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to back this hamster. I'm going to put a little allocation on the hamster. Let's see what the hamster gets me. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> So speaking of dangerous technologies, mm. I think we got to talk about what's going on at Levi. So Levi, you know, Levi, you just usually know them for some nice jeans, you know, your 501s, whatever, whatever. But right now they yeah. have partnered with a company called LaLaLand.ai to, cre mm. to create hyper-realistic AI-generated models. Um, yeah. And obviously that's troublesome as it is, but they've specifically said that we're doing this also so we can have more diverse representation. I, I don't know what kind of crackness we're looking over there at Levi HQ, right? <laughs> 
But so we posted this on, on Pocket on our Instagram account, basically. And obviously everyone was just up in arms. And let's keep it real. We talked about it here first. You talked about it with Shudu. So it's twofold. So mm. Shudu wasn't AI generated. Shudu was created by that individual uh, white dude who basically had created a black digital model to make money through brand deals. Now, yeah. any company pretty much now can create their own digital model using AI and you, do, you don't need a graphic designer or whatever, whatever. So we're going to see a lot more of this. What's going on now? Why are these brands not thinking <laughs> it through? Hold on, this doesn't make no sense. We could hire a real black woman or a real Asian woman or a real Asian man or black man. Like, why are we now going back, going this route? Isn't, like, how disturbing is this going to get before, we, before <laughs> they realize? Like, come on, man. I mean, what can we say? I feel like using virtual models as a way to show that your brand is representative. I mean, to me, genuinely, is like the definition of virtue signaling because Mm. you're like sending the impression that your values or your ethics are a certain way. Hey, we love supporting, I don't know, black businesses or bringing money back into black communities. But like the actual actions to back that up and the integrity of those actions doesn't quite live up to the statement. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, they're partnering with La La Land. And I did a bit of research into La La Land.ai and it's quite impressive what the founders have done. One of them is a black guy. Like mm-hmm. he's been on a mission for the last few years to like talk about how there's this opportunity with AI to like bring diversity where it wouldn't be. I guess in his head, he's thinking they're not going to hire a black model anyway. If I can make it easier for them to get a black right. face into that campaign, let me do that. You know, they have funding from Google's Black Founders Fund. They've been, they were in Forbes 30 under 30 this mm. year. He seems, I mean, the guy only graduated university a few years ago. So it's you know, pretty impressive what they've been able to do, raise Series A, etc. From a founder perspective, he's done a lot more than many black men have done. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. I just got to like put that on the record. But yes, we do have an ethical dilemma here because when we asked for representation in 2020, right, like when many people like us were being very vocal about what we feel greater Black representation in the media can look like, in fashion can look like, we meant like wealth generation, right? Because I think we're still thinking about statistics like the generational wealth gap, the existing wealth gap, the pay gap, Capitalism isn't going anywhere. So I think the reason why this virtual representation is so troubling is because it's visual change, but it's not commercial change. It's not material change. And that's really what creates an impact. Yes, yeah, so representation, at least in the modeling industry or for kind of this kind of visual stuff. You're right. It was about twofold. It's about self-esteem. So obviously one, it's about showing people that, you know, they're represented in society. So if you're a young black girl, you can see yourself, you know, in TV and film and media. But like you said, it's also about wealth generation and allowing black actors, black actresses, black models to get paid. And they've missed that part. Yeah, it's a sad, sad world. And actually my prediction was a few episodes back that they will no longer be real life models being used for digital photography. So I said on the runway, they probably still will be models. And actually maybe once we go into the metaverse, they won't be. But my prediction was 10, 15 years and I can't like when i saw this story i was thinking i might have predicted it way too far into the future this might be a five six year thing so if you're no. getting your bag if you're getting your bag on ig right now as a virtual influencer i mean as a virtual as an influencer just be careful in it store away mm. your shekels store away your rubles <laughs> store away your rupees put the money in your bank account and save because it might be it might be dark times in the future that's all i'm saying it's a prediction catch me in five yeah. years let's see. i mean 
I think where the Shudu case study is interesting is that Shudu started an Instagram without being explicitly virtual, right? And actually built a significant follower. It'll be interesting to see if the creators of virtual models are able to do that for their models, build a brand around their models. Because it's Mm -hmm. not just the face that people are buying, right? It's the audience too. Like Lil Michaela, she, you know, was one of the first virtual influencers. And by virtue of being the first, like huge audience, huge like cachet status. So partnering with her meant getting that connection. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yo, everyone, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Techish. Ish. We will catch you next week at us at Techish Pod. Find us on hashtag Techish also on social media and please leave a review on Apple and Spotify. Peace. Thank catch you. you next week. See you soon.